0: The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. When we say Merry Christmas, are we just wishing? Are we just wishing that people would have a great Christmas? Or is there something that we truly believe about Christmas that makes it merry? I mean, what's so joyful, so amazing about Christmas? especially when for most of us, if we're just honest, Christmas is hectic. I mean, it's got a lot of obligations. Your schedule is filled to the brim. In fact, your schedule is so full that sometimes you can't even enjoy the moment. Kind of busy, crazy, running from this thing to that thing. You got deadlines, you got things you gotta get taken care of. You've got lists that you've gotta check twice. And some of those lists put you in debt that you're not going to pay off until next Christmas. And so, you know, honestly, there can be moments when it doesn't quite feel so merry. And, uh, you know, that's just kind of on the surface, but if you were to go a layer deeper, I think that there's a lot of us who feel very alone at Christmas. I mean, you can be surrounded by a crowd of people and feel like you're the only one going through what you're going through. You think everyone else is filled with laughter and joy, and yet you're feeling full of depression and anxiety. Everyone else is singing and celebrating and you're grieving. You're at a full table and you're thinking about the people that are not there. Maybe just someone who recently passed away or someone that you're losing or someone who's not present because there's a rift or a betrayal or maybe you're walking through a divorce. And as a result, what should be a joy-filled Christmas feels empty and you feel alone you feel like the only one. And uh, maybe at the very least, you can relate to a guy named Henry Longfellow story kind of has a a tragic turn to it. In 1861, he woke up to screaming. He ran downstairs only to find his wife engulfed in flames. Her dress had gotten a little too close to the fireplace, caught on fire, and so he wrapped her in a rug to try to put out the fire. That didn't work, and so he, he actually got on her and tried to use his own body to put out the flames. Unfortunately, the next day, she passed away. And the burns from the fire. And he, he was horrifically burned as well, so burned that it, it significantly scarred his face. And he, he was, since he was recovering from his own burns, he couldn't go to his own wife's funeral. He was left a, widow, a widower with six children at home. His oldest son, about a year and a half later, quietly snuck out and joined the Union Army and began to fight in the Civil War, a nation being torn apart by politics, a nation being torn apart by social issues. I know it's hard to imagine. That's hard to think about a nation that could literally rip itself, rip itself apart over racial matters, over politics. One side hates the president, the other side loves him. I, I know only makes sense in 1863, but his son had gone off to battle And so now, a widower's left home trying to raise his five other kids, and his son came home suffering a typhoid fever, only to recover, and then go right back out to battle. A few months later, after he had returned to battle, he had missed the the Battle of Gettysburg, but he returns, and then dad gets news that uh, his son had gotten shot through the shoulder, severely wounded. Just barely missed being paralyzed. And so he had to travel on the train from Cambridge, Massachusetts, down to DC to pick up his uh, son that was going to have to go through several surgeries. He gets home uh, dis- like somewhere like mid December, and now he was home nursing his son, trying to get him back to health. And right at the Christmas season, he's home in Cambridge, Massachusetts, as he begins to hear the church bells in his community playing the Christmas carols. And one of them was a song filled with the lyrics, peace on earth. But inside he didn't feel peace. And around him in his nation, there was no peace. And so he wrote a poem. And in the poem, it really captures the sentiment of what he was feeling. I thought I'd just jump up here and read it. The the words of the poem become the carol of the song you may have heard, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And in the lyrics of that carol, it reads this. It was as if an earthquake rent, the hearthstones of a continent, meaning we're just being torn apart by war, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth goodwill to men all around him there was no peace but he said it wasn't just around him it's what he felt and so the next line really captures it he said and in despair I bowed my head there is no peace on earth I said for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men and maybe those aren't just words that you read from a Old Christmas carol, I heard the bells on Christmas day. Maybe when you hear the songs, maybe when you hear everyone else singing, maybe even when you hold a candle, you're thinking that's good for everyone else. But what I see is that hate is strong and it seems to mock the songs of Christmas. In fact, it seems to mock the words, Merry Christmas. Maybe what you see on the news, or what you read on your social media feed, suggests that hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And so as you go through this season, you look around and you say, I don't know, where is God? Maybe maybe there is a God. Maybe there is even a God of Christmas, but I don't know where he's at. He seems far away from us, far away from our nation, far away from this season, far away from my distress, my depression, my disease, my doubt, maybe the death that you've recently walked through as a family. So whether God is there or not, he seems far away from me, from us, from our nation. Then you could relate to what it was like the very first Christmas. The- The words that capture the very first Christmas, written by a guy named John, who was um, a friend of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, many years after Jesus' birth and death and resurrection, John sat down to write out his experience of knowing and meeting Jesus and following Jesus and believing in Jesus. But before he met Jesus, and before there was Jesus born a baby in a manger, what was it like? Well, it was quiet. People felt like God was far away and distant. When people prayed, they didn't believe God answered. They gathered in religious services, but no one felt anything. It was not like they felt that God showed up, God seemed far away from their reality. The nation of Israel, where Jesus came, was a nation that was war-torn, oppressed by the Roman Empire. And so people sat waiting, God, where are you? Our nation is in distress. We've been beaten and enslaved. We're in deep despair. Our economy in ruins. Most people in devastated poverty. And in the midst of all of that, God did not send a priest. He did not send a prophet. He didn't send lightning from heaven or another 10 commandments. No, God stepped off his throne in heaven, laid aside the robes of his majesty and power and stepped down into the messiness of the world we live in, in the midst of the troubles and the struggles, the shame and the guilt, And so the author John writes it this way. In the Gospel of John chapter one, he says, the true light that gives light to everyone, like the light that you held. That light was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, even though the creator entered into his creation, the world did not recognize him. And then I'm gonna jump ahead to another verse that really captures the message of Christmas. The Word, and this captures this idea of the perfect essence of God, the Word, the description of God, the perfect picture of who God is in human form. He became flesh, meaning he put on the clothes of humanity and he made his dwelling among us. another translation says it this way, he moved into our neighborhood. And so the the message and the meaning of Christmas, what what the author John was saying was this, God showed up and people missed the moment. God became one of us and no one even noticed. And and so the challenge, what does it truly mean to believe in Christmas? Well, the first challenge I would give you is, God showed up, don't miss Christmas. The moment, And if you were to not miss the moment, what would it mean? Well, believing in Christmas means we are not alone. It means when you feel deeply inside like you're all alone. Or that you're the only one that's going through what you're going through that no one could possibly understand. And certainly God wants nothing to do with you. The message and the meaning of Christmas is that God wants everything to do with you. He wanted something to do with you so much that he was willing to enter into our world and become one of us. In fact, what John was writing about was a reference to an ancient um, prophecy that God would enter into our world, put on human clothing, and a name that you could give him would be Emmanuel, which translates God with us and it does take some believing to accept that doesn't it because sometimes it's hard to believe that it's hard to feel that because often it can feel like god is far away from our nation it can feel like god is far away from your situation your distress what you're going through emotionally or what's going on in your mind as it's racing a mile a minute. It might feel like God is far away from your family or your crisis or what you're walking through internally. And the reason why we can feel like God is far away and why you can think God is far away is not because God is far away, but because we have moved away from God. Listen to me, what I mean is this. Every one of us were born with a a sabotaging force inside of us, something in us, spiritual force, that pushes us away from God. It's not that God doesn't want anything to do with us, it's that we don't want anything to do with God. We like our life and we like doing it our way. We wanna follow our own desires and so we literally just blow God off. And as we push away from God, we do what we want. This is what Jesus referred to as sin. It's an instinct to not only ignore God and push away from God, but it causes us to believe that God doesn't even exist, that we're all alone. And that we're the only ones. And so as we go through a life driven by sin, moving away from God, we turned our back on God. He didn't turn his back on us and we rejected God. He didn't reject us. We began to live our lives doing our own thing, going in our own direction. And the result of sin is a life ruined, but not just ruined and not just headed toward death, Headed toward death without God, which means you go on living forever in that sin judgment. judgment. It's an it's a eternal death sentence. And the message of Christmas is that you and I are not alone. No, here's what God did. He, he left his home and moved into our neighborhood. He put on the clothing, the skin of our humanity. He became one of us. But not just to be a baby born in a manger by a virgin named Mary, but to die, to die on our behalf, to take our death sentence on himself. So that when God became man, his mission was to die for our sins. And so when Jesus died, he absorbed our guilt, your guilt, my shame, our sin, and his death, was the payment for our death sentence. So that when you and I believe in Christmas and we believe that we are not alone, what we're saying is we believe that God became one of us. In fact, what we're saying is something that was written down around 350 A.D. by the churches and they passed down this statement generation after generation, some churches to this day still quote from the Apostles' Creed. And it reads this way, I believe in Jesus Christ His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. And what we're saying is, I believe that God became one of us to die on a cross, but not just to die, to rise from the dead and in the power and in the victory of his resurrection, he conquered sin. He defeated death and he gives eternal life because when you believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, You believe that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary, that he died, that he rose, and that when you believe in him, that same Holy Spirit comes and lives in your spirit, forgiving you of sin and giving you new and eternal life. And so maybe you might feel a little bit like Henry Longfellow as he continued to write that poem, where he first in distress looks around and he says, uh, I, I feel like hate is strong, and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But then he continued to write, and he said, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. He's saying, but I heard something louder, louder than the hate, louder than the mocking, That God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The The wrong shall fail. The right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill toward men. And somewhere deep inside of Henry Longfellow, he began to feel hope and joy and the belief of Christmas that God is greater than our fears. God is greater than our despair. God is greater than the hate. God is greater than what tears us apart. He does not fail. He is not dead nor doth he sleep. And so we can believe again that there is a God who's greater than our defeats, greater than our despair, greater than our depression. God wins the day. And so I wanna jump in and read just another verse to you. John chapter one, and, and he writes this about the moment of Christmas. He said this, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And so I try to, I try to write out an idea A little phrase that you might be able to remember during the Christmas season. You know, it's going to get busy, and it's going to get hectic, and it might be easy for you to kind of forget this moment. So I wrote out a little phrase, and it's simply this. When we believe, we become. In fact, you want to say it with me? When we believe, we become. become. Okay, I did that wrong, right? So I'm going to say it, then you're going to say it, right? When When we believe, we become. What do I mean? Um, See, when you believe, that means you're willing to receive. Like receiving a gift on Christmas and then you open it. And the receiving changes everything about who you are. When you receive by believing, you're receiving the presence of God in your life. You're receiving the promise that God is with us and in us. That means you're not alone. That means you don't have to do it on your own. That means you don't have to walk through what you're walking through on your own. It means that God understands that God is with you, and God is your strength. He is your hope. He is your joy. You are not on your own, and you don't have to walk through it alone. I I want you to imagine this idea. I really want to help you get the idea that when you believe, you become. Because you might wonder, well, how is that possible? Well, imagine with me just a story. A child, an orphaned child, walked into the courtroom. And you might think this is a moment of judgment, and that child might think it's a moment of judgment. The judge walks out. Everyone rises. The judge takes the seat with the robe of judgment on. The moment seems stern. The child seems concerned. But rather than judgment, the judge stands up, steps away from the bench, Comes into the courtroom, lays aside the robe, and embraces the child. Says, today's not a day of judgment, but of adoption. You're mine. Welcome home. You're my child today. That is the message of Christmas. And that child might go, I can't believe it. No, no, no. Believing means receiving and then becoming. Simply because that child receives what the judge offers, because they believed it, they receive, and now they become someone new. When you believe the message of Christmas, that God stepped away from the bench of judgment, laid aside the robes of heaven, entered into our world to find every one of us orphaned by sin, to embrace us to adopt us, to call us his own, to call you and I children of God. When you accept that moment, the believing, Is becoming because now your identity is transformed. How you define yourself is changed. How you see yourself is changed. I'm no longer orphaned by sin. I'm adopted by the God who is the King of all kings. I am loved. I have value. I have significance. My life finds its destiny in God the Father who loves me and adopted me. I have become. What are you becoming today because you believe in Christmas, but it doesn't stop there. I I would have to imagine at some point a child will begin to celebrate, overwhelmed by the moment, by the love. This is the meaning of Christmas. If you jump back into John's writing, John chapter 1, he talks about this celebration. He said, the word... Became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. A little phrase I would give you is this when we believe, we're amazed. Something happens when we believe. We not only become, but we're filled with amazement. We're filled with joy. We're we're overwhelmed by the moment of Christmas. Follow me. Here's what I mean by this. Imagine God takes all of his majesty, all of his wonder, all of his power, everything that makes God, God. And then He, he condenses it into the womb of a virgin named Mary. And somewhere deep inside of her is all of the majesty and glory of God concealed, hidden in the Virgin Mary. And when she gives birth and a little baby is laid in a manger, you would think that that glory was hidden in a baby. But then the angels show up just down the road singing, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men, and a little bit of glory shines through the baby in a manger you would have think that be, you would think that maybe because he wasn't born in a palace and because he was tucked away in poverty that god's riches couldn't shine through and then a and then a bunch of wise men three guys show up not wise guys but three royal leaders show up and they come bearing gifts to give to the god who is the giver of all gifts and a little bit of god's glory shines through this baby you would think that God's glory could be hidden in the awkwardness of a teenager. Don't be offended. We were all there once. But you know, in Jesus' clumsiness, hidden behind his acne was the glory of God. But as Jesus continued to grow, he begins to teach people about God and what it means to live a God-centered life. And he, he teaches people about how to live Life following God, where God is your king and you're part of His kingdom. God, a king, not a political leader, but He's personal. He's my king. And he, he rules a kingdom that's eternal, not temporal. And as Jesus taught, a little bit of His glory shined through. And then when Jesus healed the blind, those that could not see the glory of God got a little glimpse. And then when Jesus healed the sick, the glory of God erupted into that moment. And when Jesus raised the dead, those that were dead in their sins could sense a little bit of the glory of God showing up in their moment. And then in the great climax of the story of Jesus, as he was being put to death, first they beat him and they began to whip him, whip him so hard that his skin began to be torn. And with every tear, a little bit of glory began to shine through. And when they pierced his hands with nails and his feet with nails and they hung him on a cross, it wasn't just that the blood of his humanity was pouring out. It was that a little bit of God's glory was coming through. And when he finally breathed his last in death, It was the ultimate victory of a God who came so close, who knows your pain and knows your suffering and endured it himself, who took on your death, who took on your shame. And in that moment, it's not that Jesus died, it's that God gave the victory because God got close enough to take hold of every ounce of suffering and every bit of sin. And in that moment, God's glory broke through. It was a breakthrough moment. It is a breakthrough moment today because in his resurrection, it was the ultimate breaking of his humanity so that all of the fullness of God could shine through and so the meaning and the message of Christmas is that you are not only not alone but when you believe you become and when you believe you're overwhelmed and amazed by the wonder and the beauty of the message of Christmas simply believing fills your heart and transforms you because you realize that the message of Christmas is that God broke through It it leaked out. When you cut him, it bled out. And you couldn't contain the glory of God. And so when we hear the story, we're seeing a glimpse of the glory. When we look at the manger, the little scene maybe you put under your tree, what you're seeing is a little glimpse of the shining of God's glory. And the message of Christmas is that God's glory broke through. His glory has filled the earth. Every time you hear the message of Jesus, the story of Christmas, it's the beauty, it's the victory. It's the triumph of God breaking through on our behalf, and it should fill you with amazement, with joy, with laughter, with celebration. And so now, the only thing left is for you to respond. I mean, come on, right? You with me? All right, so here's what I want you to do. Would you just take a moment, just close your eyes. Right where you are, what's that one step you need to take? look this isn't this isn't a show this is an experience and you came to encounter god and god is present god is not dead nor doth he sleep god is alive and he's present in this place and he wants to meet you right where you are at in that place where you feel alone and like the only one god wants to meet you There are some of you here who you've struggled believing, but you're ready for that moment. You're ready for that first step to believe in Jesus by faith. And if that's where you're at today, can I encourage you to raise your hand high and say, yeah, that's me. Pastor Patrick, that's where I'm at today. I'm ready to take that step of faith to believe in Jesus by faith. Is there anybody else you wanna raise your hands? You wanna raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me too. For those of you that are raising your hand, I wanna take a moment, I wanna pray with you. Jesus, thank you that you did not leave us alone. You did not abandon us. You came, you stepped away from the bench of judgment. You took off the robes of your your, uh, kingdom and you came into our world. You took on our sin and our death to call us children of God. We believe in you by faith. We receive the gift of life. We ask that as we believe, we would become. Now would you fill us with amazement? Would you fill us with a heart of celebration as we enjoy what it means to say, Merry Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.